church. We on? Yeah, there you go. There's too much love in this church. We really need more religion. <laughs> Don't we? We need more judgment, criticism, and self-hate. <laughs> go back to... I'll have you know that Canada, I'm trying to think of something great about Canada. I'll, ha- I'll have you know that, um, um, we don't, we don't need freezers. We just put our meat outside. There, there. Wow. You know that, you know what they call an illegal immigrant from Canada? A frostback. <laughs> They've been calling us frostbacks for years. I think it's really funny, but start preaching. Keep digging the hole, Mark. Even a good message won't get you out of this. Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> oh, Lord, for a spirit of love and forgiveness in the house. Cross-cultural mercies for Canadians. Okay. I just want to start today with the theme that... Uh, it's a thought that came to me two weeks ago, and I said it two weeks ago, and then I said it again last week. I'm going to say it again today because the uh, importance of it just keeps echoing over and over in my mind. I stumbled on it by accident and thought, wow, that's really profound. And um, it's a simple little thought. The most, ins- the most important spiritual gift is the one that is needed right now. So depreciating gifts and judging one another's gifts and creating this hierarchy of gifts is absolutely wrong. Let me illustrate this for you. I was thinking about all the spiritual gifts it takes on a given Sunday to do what we're doing now. So let's just pause and run through what it takes to make this thing happen. Uh, Eight o'clock, a bunch of guys show up and they start unloading the truck and they start setting up the Sunday school rooms, and they start uh, bringing in all this equipment. Everything that you see here has to be put together, and that takes about an hour and a half to two hours to put all that together, including the stuff outside. What spiritual gift is operating at that point? Service. And it is invisible. If you don't think about it, about what's going on on any given Sunday, you just walk in and everything's ready. But we don't say, what did it take? How many did it take? How long have they been here? Right? It was the hidden spiritual gift, but at that point in the day, it was the most important gift. Then around um, about 9.30 or so, another spiritual gift kicks in. What is it? Hospitality. I take for granted all that great food. really shouldn't. It's, it's wonderful. But then th- that too is hidden. Most of the people don't see who set that up. They just come and it's there. But there's another one that kicks in at 9.30 that most of us don't think about. At the same time that hospitality kicks in, there's another gift that kicks in. What is it? Intercession. There are people that come here and they dedicate themselves to praying for Sunday morning. And they start a half an hour before the service and they go all the way through. And oftentimes they continue praying through the worship, through the ministry time, through the announcements. And they'll be praying right now. I know some of you are praying right now for the message. Isn't that cool? So after those things take place, 10 o'clock comes around. What spiritual gift then begins to manifest itself at 10 o'clock? Not yet. We do worship. We do a whole bunch of worship. Now, is that a spiritual gift? Yes, it is. Leadership is a spiritual gift. And when we're being led in worship, there's the exercise of a spiritual gift with the Holy Spirit's intention for what he wants to accomplish during that time through that gift of leadership. What does he want to accomplish during that time? Hello? Well, we're going to worship the Lord. And we're going to welcome him into this place. The psalm says, the Lord is enthroned in the presence of his people in worship. The Lord is enthroned in the worship of his people. Now, you guys, you can throw that away as just an interesting little comment. Or you can dwell on it and say this. The Lord establishes his rule and reign when we worship him. 
When we turn our hearts to Him in worship, He begins to manifest His rule and reign, which means we're going to see more of the characteristics of the kingdom of God after we've worshipped than before we've worshipped. And leadership has that intention. And then at the end of worship, what do we see? What spiritual gifts start to pop up? We did it today. Ministry. Okay, what are those ministry gifts? In any typical time up here while people are being prayed for, what are the spiritual gifts that are functioning? There's a whole bunch of them. All right, just go through one at a time. Healing. Prophecy. Miracles. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge. All right, faith. So there's this cluster of about a council sometimes. So there's a cluster of about six or eight gifts all that pop up within seconds, of us saying, now we're going to do ministry. Isn't that cool? Like the Holy Spirit's been sitting there with this package of gifts waiting for ministry time, and as soon as the administration of worship has ended and His presence has been established through the praises of His people and He begins to rule and reign, the Holy Spirit runs in with a whole new cluster of gifts and just goes like this all over the place and starts tickling you. Come on, express it. Come on, express it. I know it's in you. I know it's in you. How do you know it's in me? Because I'm in you. Come on, come on, let's express it. Let's get active now. Let's pour it out now. And that goes on for as long as it's supposed to go on for. And then there's another spiritual gift. And what's that? Not yet. Not yet. There was one more. See, we don't think of it as a spiritual gift. Giving. Spiritual gift of giving. It's a spiritual act of worship to seed into God's kingdom. It is a declaration of faith that he will take care of you if you take care of his kingdom. You take, his promise is this. You take care of my kingdom, I'll take care of your kingdom. It's just a trade. Kingdom for kingdom. You put my kingdom first in your giving, I'll put your kingdom first in my power. Good trade. Ooh, smart. Think I'll go with that trade. Little bit of money for a whole lot of blessing. Now that's a very mechanistic and evil way of thinking of it, but it's the truth. We ought to do it just because he's so wonderful. It's just a great way to worship. Worship him with something that matters to us. So there's the gift of giving, but right after or often before, hint, hint, the gift of giving, there was another one. What was it? Administration. Chris gets up and makes a fool of me. And all the angels in heaven clap and say, what a good church service was hoping it would go this way. That little thing we call the announcements, if understood spiritually, is the gift of administration in informing us of the things that are taking place in this body for his purposes, by his design, that we can become a part of to fulfill his purposes in our lives. The, the, the announcements isn't a time to check out. The announcements is a time to listen to the Spirit and say, where do you want me doing what, when, and how? Everything is spiritual. There's no aspect of this that isn't. And then the teaching comes, and well, there's teaching. Or there's teaching mixed with prophecy, or there's teaching mixed with preaching, and we all know that, and that spiritual gift happens, and then it ends, and what happens then? After the teaching, what usually happens? Oftentimes, okay, one of two things. Either we go back to ministry, spiritual gifts bubbling up all over, like we talked about, or we all go outside. And what is supposed to happen outside? Fellowship, Fellowship, which is the gift of hospitality. We are welcoming one another into the love of God. We're welcoming, accept one another as Christ accepted you. Welcome one another into the circle of your warmth, into the circle of your love, into the circle of your friendship. And guys, I'm just going to, this isn't a criticism, this is a piece of friendly advice. Hang around a little longer. Don't just rush to the car. There's people to talk to. There's people who want to know you. There's people that want to love you. And you want to love and know people. And we continue to build community outside that door long after the message is gone. And then what spiritual gift kicks in? Service helps. It all has to be torn down, packed up, and put in two trucks and taken to the storage place. And those guys will be working till after 1 o'clock. They'll often not finish until 1.30. Yes. 
you know, this is so... Now, look, I am caught in my own myopathy, myopathy, myopic osity. My own myopic osity. Wow, that's deep. I am caught in my own narrow-mindedness. I forgot, thank you, about all the Sunday school teachers who are out there exercising the gift of leadership and the gift of teaching and the gift of preaching and teaching the kids to do ministry times amongst themselves so our children learn to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that when they come up to junior high camp and everything and get toasted on the mountain, they can come back here and be part of the healing teams that pray for people. So there's this whole, I mean, I counted them. It's like, I don't know, there's maybe 20 some spiritual gifts that are operating on any given Sunday. And you know what? Very nice bookends. Starts with helps, ends with helps. All the invisible stuff. But it absolutely is the same. You can't take, if you take one of those spiritual gifts we listed, if you take one of those away from what happens here on Sunday, we are all the lesser for it. And not one of them is unimportant. But they're all important in the moment when they're supposed to happen. And the Holy Spirit orchestrates that through the gift of leadership and administration. Isn't it cool? It's so cool. The church suffers when any one of those gifts is missing. Now, this ought to, this ought to wake you up. Let me, let me take the conclusion of that remark. The church suffers when any one of these gifts is meet, missing. The church suffers when you're missing. Right? The church suffers when you're missing. Because you were destined and designed by God to find your, your fulfillment in expressing Himself through you in your spiritual giftedness of love to the people around you. If you are missing, we are weaker. Yes. Amen. We are. And you think, I know, I know, people think, nobody notices when I'm not here. You would be surprised how often people notice when you're not here. We sit in staff meeting and we say, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so for a little while. What about those new people that came? They've come the last two weeks. They weren't here last week. I wonder what's happened to them. Is anybody going to phone them? Well, let's go after, I haven't, you know, I, I, uh, Rob was away um, in Thailand on a vacation and I didn't see him for a couple of weeks. And I thought, I haven't seen... I haven't seen Rob for a while. I need to call him. What's going on in his life? I call him. Oh, I've been in Thailand. Oh, that's great. Just catching up. When you're missing, it makes a difference. Church suffers when all the spiritual gifts intended by the Lord don't get expressed. But there's another way the church suffers on the subject of spiritual gifts. And it works like this. I had this friend back in the uh, 70s. Now, back in the 70s was before many of you people were born. But we had houses then, and we had cars, and we did a lot of cool stuff, and people built things. And he was a carpenter. And he was one of these carpenters who was crazy about his tools. Ever met a carpenter? Like, like you want to go to dinner, or you want to go to Disneyland, and all they want to do is go to Home Depot? Anyway, he was a carpenter. Now, back in the 70s, we didn't have as many sophisticated tools as you guys have today. He got this new tool. And I remember him bringing it over to my house because he was so excited about it. It was a Makita reciprocating saw. Now, for you who've never seen one, they're very common now, but they weren't back in the 70s very common. This thing looked like a weapon that uh, Schwarzenegger used in Predator. It's this long thing like this with this big fat beginning and this kind of cool handle thing in the end. And then it had this honking big blade about this long on the end of it. Big, big nasty, like you could cut through trees with this thing. And it would just, you know, Tim, right? It would just go back and forth like this. Sawzall. We call, in those days, they were, see, in Canada, we use the English language. So they were reciprocating saws. <laughs> Not sawzall, people. And it was an interesting process. When you use the reciprocating saw, it was an interesting process. You could demolish all sort of, sorts of unwanted things. It's not a sawzall, it's a reciprocating saw. God bless all of you. Huh? It's a sawzall. And it goes back and forth. And the cool thing was, I mean, you could take on anything with this. You'd cut through uh, studs and you could cut through uh, joists and you could you could just it was great for demolishing stuff really good but you know what he he fell in love with this saw it was his most precious saw 
So he used it all the time when he shouldn't. The sawzall makes a very poor jigsaw. It makes a very poor skill saw. All right? It's really good at one thing, but it's not so good at another. And as I got to know him and realized this guy was actually more in love with his tools than with the house he was building. Hello? He was more in love with the tools than the job he was being paid to do. He was happy expressing himself with the tools, happier than he was with the result of the job. Hello? Hello? When you're... <laughs> it's really funny when people come into the Holy Spirit and they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they start discover, discovering their spiritual gifts. There's always one guy that discovers the gift of deliverance and casting out evil spirits. <laughs> now, in his life, for the next several years, every problem is a demon. And all we need to do is just cast out that demon and all of his problems. Well, sometimes it is just a demon and that is the answer. But listen, when every, when the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem is a nail. Right? And, and guys, try building a house with only one tool. We, we had some guys that were like, they were just so big on deliverance. I love him, but I, can, I won't tell you his name because somehow in some world he might listen to this tape. But he was this guy up in Canada. Every single problem was a demon. And we'd have to sit him down and we'd have to say, Ernie, his name was Ernie. Ernie, just remember, there's a person inside that demon. <laughs> we did. We'd say, Ernie. Focus on this. When you're going after it, just remember, there's a person inside that demon. (laughs) When the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem's a nail. When you're a one-trick spiritual gift pony, every problem gets solved by one gift, and you can fall in love with your gift. And think it's the most important one all the time, no matter what's being done in the house. That's the other problem. So look, we need a grid. We need a matrix. We need some way of deciding how do I know when to use my gift and how do I know when to wait on my gift? How do I know when is the moment of need versus the moment of greed? Greed is me satisfying my self-worth and my identity with my gift Versus need, when somebody else really needs it. And this is when I can come and be useful and make a difference. How do I know? I need some kind of matrix. Well, let's go to the Bible because it always answers these questions. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1. And you guys have all heard this a thousand times. And I know this is a little bit tedious. But here is, in a nutshell, the answer to the question. How do I know when to use my gift? Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And that means eagerly desire to express, manifest, give forth and do spiritual gifts. So look, what, what is needed most right now in this moment is love. Not a spiritual gift. What's needed is love and it'll be expressed in a spiritual gift. The way of love. Putting love first is always the way you determine how you fit into any given situation and when your gift gets expressed. What is needed most right now is to love the most people. What is most loving for the most people right now is what I should be doing. And not if it isn't. That's pretty simple. It sounds easy, but it's not. It's much harder than it sounds. Or Paul wouldn't have had to say it. Here's why it's difficult. The problem is that once we discover what we are made to do, our spiritual gift or gifts, they tend to become our identity. We tend to fall in love with the tool. Our culture values people for what they do, not for who they are. And the same corrupt value has affected the church. You guys know this, don't you? Don't you know this? Deeply inside? You go to any party... 
in the world with a whole bunch of non-Christians and the first question they ask you is, after they ask your name, what's the, what's the second question they always ask you? What do you do? What do you do? And if you're fortunate enough to be able to say, um, I'm one of the 12 astronauts who walked on the moon, <laughs> you can captivate them with stories for the rest of the day. But if you say, well, I've been out of work for the last three years, that's a conversation killer right then and there. <laughs> They're really interested in talking to somebody else. Because in the world, our worth is what we do. We are what we do. Now, here's the sad thing. Bring a bunch of Christians together in a party. After they ask your name, what's the first thing they ask? Where do you go to church? <laughs> Where do you go to church? <laughs> Maybe, but it's usually what do you do? Yes. It's just the same. I haven't noticed any difference. And then later, if they decide they like you, they ask you where to go to, you go to church. And if they don't, they just leave it at that. <laughs> this value of self-actualization through productivity or through work is a universal value in our world. And it affects Christians just as much as it affects everybody else. Only our uh, currency is different. In the world, the currency might be being on the cover of the Fortune 500, or maybe it's being on the cover of Sports Illustrated, or maybe it's being on the cover of People magazine. It doesn't really matter. There's a currency of value depending upon what you do. In the church, your currency of value is how useful you are in your spiritual gifts. And in certain churches, they value certain packages of spiritual gifts, so you can get into those, you're, you're worth something. And, and, but if you're in one of these over here, not so much. And there's some spiritual gifts in some churches where if you do them at all, they'd rather you left. Right? So we're just as susceptible to worth through productivity, what we do. Anyone cop to this? I mean, can we be honest? Do you ever think of your identity as what you do? If you don't, a lot of others do. We do. But Paul says, in order to overcome this human bent towards self-focus, Paul has placed the way of love ahead of self-fulfillment through the spiritual gifts. Follow the way of love and then go do this other thing. It comes down to this radical conclusion, and I hope I can prove this to you in the next couple of minutes. It isn't a genuinely godly expression of a spiritual gift unless it was motivated by love. Can anybody buy that? It isn't a genuinely godly expression of a spiritual gift unless it was motivated by love. You see, God cares, actually, to be honest, more about what's in the heart than what's going on in the surface. Because in God's world, quality action proceeds from quality attitudes. In God's world, everything that matters comes out of a deep relationship with him that starts as a love relationship in the heart and somehow just finds itself expressed in how we behave. The beautiful thing about the grace message is if you attend to a loving relationship with God and make that your focus, you don't need to worry about your behavior. Amen. You don't. Your behavior will come out of this wonderful thing that's happening within. But if you put your focus on your behavior ahead of your relationship of love with God, you will soon find yourself a self-actuated Pharisee. And they're not capable of loving anybody. It is not a genuinely godly expression of a spiritual gift unless it was motivated by love. Can I really say that? Paul did. 1 Corinthians 13.2 If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have faith that can move mountains but I have not love I am nothing. Because I don't think we understand the radical nature of this statement. I am nothing. What is critical to note is that Paul does not say, listen, Paul does not say, without love, I accomplish nothing. He says, without love, I am nothing. You guys, you've got to dwell on this for a minute. This is a very profound thing. 
The way we live most of the time, we would read that and say, if I'm without love, I accomplish nothing. Oh, big deal. Had some blank moments. Wait till something changes and everything will be fine. God is saying, listen, without love, you are nothing. You are nothing. You're nothing without love. Oh, but, but I prophesied in your name. And I've cast out demons in your name. And I've done all these things in your name. What are you trying to tell me? Without love, you're nothing. I don't think I know you. I, I, don't, I don't know you. That's a bit frightening. You show up with your resume, and he looks at the resume and goes, this is all really good, but what's your name? Why are you here? Here is for people in relationship with me. Why are you here? Well, here's my resume. No, no, why are you here? I, uh, I don't know you. And the party was by invitation only. My friends come to the party. Why are you here? Fouch is right. This really frightens me. For myself, it frightens me. What he is saying is that your, listen, your identity can never be found in what you do, but rather in what your motivation is, in this case, love. Your identity must never be found in what you do for Him. Your identity is how you are with Him. And if that isn't in place, the rest of it is nothing and you are nothing. Jesus says the same thing. Here we are at this passage. Matthew seven twenty one to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Now, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. What's he talking about there? What you say with your mouth. You might as well say, Jesus says, hey, everybody, talk is cheap. Talk don't mean bupkis. Your confession and your chattering on about your faith doesn't mean a thing and he doesn't recognize you on the basis of what you say. That's a little sobering. But at least I can fall back on what I do. I mean, I will admit I have kind of screwed up my statement of faith a few times and I've used the Lord's name in vain a couple of times on the job site. And so, you know, maybe my profession of faith isn't so good, but at least I can fall back on my behavior. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my... Oh, thank you. At least now there's something for me to do. Now I've got something to do. Whew. That's good. I can redeem this whole thing with my actions. And what is it that you must do? What is, it to, what is the will of the Father? Two things. Believe in my Son and find yourself in Him and abide in the vine and stay with me. And my words will live in you and you will live in me and your actions will reflect that relationship. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Guys, at the pecking order, the high water mark of us charismatics is miracles. You don't get better than miracles. I mean, miracles are like it, okay? And here's this guy coming to him, Lord, Lord, I, I look, look at what I did, Lord. I prophesied. I drove out demons. That's pretty heavy. And I performed many miracles. You can't do better than that. And then Jesus says, I'm going to tell him plainly. I'm going to tell him plainly. I'm going to tell him plainly. I never knew you. Get away from me. You nothing. You zero. Get away from me. I never knew you. Well, your profession of faith, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean much. And all this stuff done in your name doesn't seem to mean much either. Do you love him? 
Do you love him? How much do you love him? Live it. Live love. Get love, give love. Get love, give love. Get love, give love. Get love, give love. That's the Christian life in a sentence. Get love, give love. Some of us have been giving too much love and we're empty. Time to go back and get it. You've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. Go, but it's not too late. Go back and do the things you did at the beginning. Remember how passionate you were about him at the beginning? Go back there. Go back there. It's not too late. There's a warning in place. It's not too late. Go back there. Get love. Give love. Get love. Give love. Jesus never accused them of false prophecy or false miracles. His complaint was that they were not in relationship with him. They did not love him ahead of their ministries. Their identity was in what they do. By failing to be in love with him, listen to this, this is really important. By failing to be in love with him, they had none of the love of God for those they served. You cannot give what you are not getting. Get love, give love. And this lack of love made their actions worthless. Because love is all there is. To quote the Beatles, they got it right. Love is all there is. All you need is love. All you need is love. Love is all there is. But with him. Not sentimental Hallmark card love. Or Valentine's Day love. Love with him. An abiding, genuine relationship where you're trying to make him the focus. I mean trying because he's, he's never perfectly the focus. The Lord spoke to me this week, completely unrelated matter. I was so, I was just rejoicing in my quiet time about last Sunday, how powerful the worship was. I mean, I just got fried again, two weeks in a row. The love renewed, just love renewed in worship. And it was so good. And I said to him, I just... Your, pre- your presence alone is so precious to me. I just wish I could live in that all the time. Just all the time. Not those intense moments, but I mean all the time. And I know heaven, that's what it will be. It'll just be that, take what we have here on the best day when you're touched by the love of God, multiply it by a billion times, where everyone around you reflects that love. The trees reflect that love. The animals reflect that love. Everything reflects that love. You're breathing those moments constantly. God, the joy of that is overwhelming to even think about. I said, I just want your presence so bad. And he said to me, I want you to think before you come into a room, I can bring the presence of God into this room. I can bring the presence of God into this room. He said, I want you to think every time you change scenes, every time you go from one thing to the next, I want you to try to remember, I can bring the presence of God into this place. I said, God, please remind me of that. And the presence of God, guys, is always about love. In every situation you walk into, there's someone to love better. There's always someone to love. And that fulfills your purpose We all want to know our identity. We all want to know who we really are. You're no more yourself ever than when you're loving. That's who you really are. In him, for him, to those around you. That's when you're complete, when you're loving. And you can bring that into every room that you walk into. No matter whether it's trucking stuff out of the truck and setting things up, you can be loving the people around you. By failing to love him, they had none of the love of God for those they served. When you're in a relationship of love with Jesus, you will have his love for his bride. His love will guide you in the use of his power tools while you build his house. Now it really is simple. I don't seek to do what I do best and most enjoy. I seek to do what is most needed right now Because that is what is most loving.
Right? It's so simple. But it's so important. Does this mean I never develop a ministry based on what I am made for and do best? No, God is going to lead you to service in line with your spiritual gifts as chosen by him. But you're going to find this. As you respond to present needs, being motivated by the love of God you're receiving through intimacy with him, he will express the spiritual gifts needed through you. Guys, what if you're the only Christian at the scene of an accident? What if you're the only one there? Are you going to say, well, healing's not my gift. I'd like to help you, but I just do administration. No, you do what's needed in the moment. You have the Spirit of God living inside of you every minute. And when there's a need and there's nobody else who's a specialist, you're the specialist. Just bend over and do it. Just do it. And in the moment of obedience in the doing, the power and the gift will come. We don't walk around with spiritual gifts in our pocket like change. Oh, I could use a quarter. Can you lend me a quarter? Yeah, here, I just happen to have a quarter in my pocket. You don't have any of them stored up. They manifest in the moment of obedience. That's right. They don't come in advance. Prophetic words don't come in advance. They come in the moment you say, I think I have a word from you. What did I just say? I don't have a word for her. If you wait, the word will come. Because God's committed to love. He's committed to meeting needs. You know, we we see these pastors that blow up. We see these incredibly anointed healing guys and stuff that crash in adultery. And they crash in stealing money. And they crash because they're full of pride. Girls, gold, and glory. The three things that bring a ministry down. And we say... Oh my God, how, how could God knew He was going to do that horrible thing? How could God use a man like that? Because in those moments of obedience, God was blessing other people, not the idiot who was doing it. God allowed that ministry to go on because He loves people. But that guy is going to be judged on his relationship with God. Holiness and power are two different things. And holiness is more important. Power will pass away. Love will never pass away. There will be no need in heaven for spiritual gifts. But I'll tell you what there will be in heaven. Unending love. So why don't we get used to it now so it's not weird when we get there? Right? Let's just get used to it now. Let's get practiced up. Why not? Sorry, that might be what you need right now. And I may be the only Christian here, but that's not my spiritual gift. So good luck to you. (laughs) Hope you make it kicking on down the road. Here's the final thought, guys. And this is, by God, this is true. When you get to heaven, Jesus is not going to ask you how much of my power flowed through you. He's going to ask you, how well did you love? The final exam won't be on your spiritual gifts because they were never your spiritual gifts. When you start bragging in heaven about your spiritual gifts, Jesus goes, don't look sideways at the Holy Spirit and say, good work. Good work, Holy Spirit. Love what you do. Who's this idiot? Well, 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 well. How well did you love? That's the test. Yes, it involves the expression of spiritual gifts, but only when it's in the service of love and only when it's motivated by love. Nothing else really comes from God that's credited to you, not the Holy Spirit. Right? How well did you love? And listen, we can judge ourselves. This is important. We can judge ourselves and say, well, I'm not very good at a whole bunch of ministry stuff. You know what? doesn't mean a thing. Being good at stuff is not the same as being good at love. You can be good at love and terrible at all sorts of stuff, but if you're good at love, primo. Love having that person around. And you can be really good at a lot of stuff and not good at love, and I just assume we don't hang together. Because those people, frankly, are dangerous. You see a highly gifted person who has not love, avoid them. 
You see some goofball who's got a lot of love and he's not very gifted, make him your best friend. You're going to need him. Is this all is this sinking in? God, I hope it's sinking in. I hope it's sinking in for me. I'm convicted by this. Really. I mean, really. Okay, let's stand up. If, let's, if, if you want more love and you're opening your heart to God for this and you want to make, take a shot this week really expressing love to the people around you, let's just open our hearts for a minute and let Him love on us so we can love on the people around us, okay? Just open your hands like you're going to receive. Like He's going to give you a hug. He's going to give you a gift. Just close your eyes. Open your, open your arms. Open your arms. Open your arms. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit. It's so easy to ask you to do this. It really is, because you just love to do this. What a neat thing. You just love. Holy Spirit, you just love to do this. But you just love first. Holy Spirit, please, overcome our fears Overcome our bad self-images. Overcome the argument in our head that we don't deserve it. Overcome that we're not good enough. Overcome that, yeah, even if I receive a truckload of God's love, I'll still do something wrong this afternoon. God, overcome all that. All those lies. Just right now, just overcome all those lies, Lord. And begin ministering your love. Right here in this room. Just let it fall like rain, Lord. Just let it fall like rain now. Drops of love. Come on, hit the, hit the dry ground, Lord. Fill the rivers, fill the pools, fill the empty places. Soak into the ground, Lord. Don't let it, don't let it just roll off here, Lord. I know the ground is dry and hard in a lot of places, but Lord, just, just, just so gentle. And so slow and soft that it doesn't run off. It just begins to darken the ground first. And we just see a change in color on the ground. It's just beginning to soak into the top little tiny bit. And then, Lord, let it keep coming. Let it come like a mist, Lord. Thicken your presence in this room, Lord. Thicken your love in this room. Now soak into the ground, Lord Jesus. Soak into the ground, Holy Spirit. Spirit of adoption, witness, you're my child. I love you. You're my child. You're precious to me. I want to love you so much you can't help loving others. I want to love you. I want to love you full of myself. I want to love you full of joy. I want to love you full of patience. Somebody here needs patience. I want to love you full of patience. Somebody, there's a couple, there's several here need gentleness. I want to love you full of gentleness, the Lord says. I want to love you full up with gentleness and patience. Forgiveness, I want to love you full of forgiveness. If that's you, own it. You need His love to forgive. You got things to let go of. Receive His love. His love is the power to forgive. Just receive it. Say, yes, Lord, I want to forgive. But I need your love to do it. Pour your love into me so I can let it go. Pour your love into me so I can let it go. Now just receive. Let the rain fall on you. Rain is a good thing. Cool, gentle rain falling on you. Falling on a heart that needs it. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. Just keep receiving more, Lord. Now, some of you speaking to you, some of you are hearing things. Thoughts are coming to you, and they're too good to be true. If you're having a thought right now, it's too good to be true, it's God. Accept it. Some of you are seeing mental pictures of being with Him in a beautiful place. Peace. Peace rules. Peace reigns. That's Him. He's inviting you to be there with Him. That's Him. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. A little bit of joy. A little bit of joy is coming. A little bit of joy. Say yes to it. Receive that. Yes, Lord. If you sense the Lord's doing something, He's giving you something, He's touching you in some way, He's speaking to you, just raise your hand up high. The Lord's speaking to you, raise your hand up high. Keep them up. Okay, others, where he's finished doing what he's doing, open your eyes and look around for someone whose hand is in the air. Keep your hands up. If the Lord's touching you, keep your hands up. Come on, guys. We need those who he's not doing something to right now to pray for those that he he is in this moment. If you see somebody with their hand in the air, touch them. Go over to them. Lay your hands on them. Make sure everybody whose hand is in the air has somebody who's touching them right now. Even if you have to move aisles, go do it. Even if you have to walk around, go do it. This is our chance to minister to one another. Guys, this is our chance to minister love. This is our chance to minister love. Make sure everybody with their hand in the air has someone who's touching them right now. Okay, Holy Spirit, we ask you to increase. Lord, whatever you're doing here, in each one of these people, whatever you're ministering, Lord, increase now. Give us more, Lord. Give us more love. Guys, pray for the people you're, you're touching. Pray that God gives them more. More, Lord. More peace, more joy. More of your presence. More forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. Let it flow. Let it flow, Lord. More, Lord. Let it flow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Some of you feeling warmth. It's like an increasing warmth inside. Like bubbling up from a warm fountain. Let it come. Let it come. Joy. Peace. Peace increase in Jesus' mighty name. More peace. Lord, speak those words of love. Repeat it, I pray, Lord Jesus. Repeat it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Cool. Okay, I got an idea. Um, Anyone that needs to go can go. But I'm just curious here for a second. And you don't have to do this, but a reality check is always a good thing. Um, Is there anybody who would like to come up and give a testimony on what the Lord was saying or doing for you while you were receiving His love? It, uh, It was really... It was really... Beautiful. It was a neat thing. Um, I was sharing in pre-service prayer this morning. This week, the Lord brought a scripture to me that was really gave me a new revelation on in Ephesians 2 where it talks about we are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. And he cre- he's creating you as a masterpiece to do good works through you. And as we were praying there, uh, the Lord gave me this picture. And I just I felt as he was touching me. I saw this, me as a masterpiece, as this painting, and as he was touching me, the colors just became so much more vibrant and beautiful and colorful and, and warm. And it was just, it showed how he was, I mean, he is doing that work in each of us. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? 
We won't take long, folks. I just thought this was a good idea to hear from a few people. I don't even know if I need this. No, use it. Um, well, we were with our eyes closed and our arms raised. Lord gives me pictures. And this, the, he was hovering around the ceiling, but out of his hands were coming rays of light that descended and landed on each person in this building. It was beautiful, like a rainbow. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Nice image. Anybody else? One over here. Yeah, you. Yeah, Connie, you big old troublemaker. Come on up and share. It's my history. It's what I do. (laughs) Um, Just real quick. Through the week in reading, the Lord had just really emphasized to me um, how when Moses died, Joshua had to lead them into the promised land. And a lot of us, I'm sure it's not just me, struggling to get back to where we were before. But the Lord has emphasized the fact that it's a promised land. He has promised us the victory. But we have to have that faith to go in as he had led Joshua in, keeping our eyes fixed on him, knowing what we're going to get. Because he promised it. He doesn't lie. So either he tells the truth or he lies. What are you going to believe? So anyway, when we get struggling, you know, we get tired and the enemy always picks on the weakest and always picks on the tired. And so he comes. I don't know if everybody saw Sergeant C. York. That's what he ever he came from behind and he knocks off the tired ones until he can get to the front. But we that are stronger to hold up the other. So anyway, I get real tired and um, standing back there praying. And when we did this, I not only felt, but saw the Lord hug me. And he put his face next to mine and whispered, I love you, Connie. (laughs) And um, I just thought that was neat. Anyway. That is neat. That is neat. Okay, guys, we're done. How about this? Rather than uh, running off to the car, how about we go outside and spend a few minutes just loving one another, getting to know one another, Give each other a hug, all right? Group hug. Do group hug one person at a time. Okay, great. We're done.